0: Good morning, friends. I'm Allie, and I'm one of the ministers here at Calvary. We are happy and thankful that you've joined us this morning for the worship of God. If you're new to Calvary or new to church in general, we want you to know that you're welcome here and that we're glad you're here with us today. You'll need several things to guide you through worship this morning. One is a worship folder um, there at the back of the sanctuary, if you haven't gotten one. Can someone hold that up? I forgot to, right here, worship folder. Um, So you'll need one of those. You'll also need a hymnal. Those are located in the pews. And then if you're a guest with us, we'd love it if you would fill out one of these visitor cards and then place it in the offering plate later in the service. And that's just a way for us to know that you were here and get to know you and reach out to you throughout this week. You'll also, everyone, not just guests, will need a box today. So if you don't have a box, raise your hand, and one of our children will bring a box to you. So you will need a box today in worship. So raise your hand if you don't have one. Okay, here they come. There we go. Okay, so this week, we are finishing our series on living outside the box. And in the span of the last six weeks, both in worship and in small groups, we've wondered what it would look like to take God out of the box in several ways. What might it look like to take a God-sized risk? Do we practice God-sized compassion? How can we offer God-sized forgiveness? Do we create God-sized community? And today, we are finishing this series by wondering what it might mean to live with God-sized faith. We often speak of having faith as if it's a given, but faith is something we want to have so desperately, and sometimes we don't. Having faith can be a struggle, especially if you feel like you're just starting to get a grasp on the idea of faith in general. An example of this, I know that comes up often in our Times of Youth Bible Study on Wednesday nights, is just taking in the daily news of violence, both in this country and in this world. And the New York Times said this yesterday about the shooting at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. In a rampage described as among the deadliest against the Jewish community in the United States, the assailant stormed into the Tree of Life congregation, where worshipers had gathered in separate rooms to celebrate their faith, and shot indiscriminately into the crowd shattering what had otherwise been a peaceful morning. Worshippers had gathered in separate rooms to celebrate their faith. Wow, there are no words to describe the anguish on many of our hearts as we hear yet another report of gun violence. I think it's significant that today we will worship around the idea of experiencing faith in new ways that challenge our current understanding. Let's leave and create space for our grief and frustration, but let's also leave intentional space for God in the midst of our grief and frustration. Maybe today as we begin our time of worship together, we do what those in Pittsburgh did yesterday before many of them were so brutally murdered. Let's celebrate our faith. Celebration doesn't have to be flashy. It can merely mean a commemoration or a reflection. So this morning, let's be in the mindset of commemorating and reflecting on our faith. We can't claim to know it all, and we can't say that our faith is better or stronger or bigger than anyone else's. But we can make space for our idea of faith to be taken outside the box, because we just might see God in a new way. Let's worship this morning. Mm
1: Our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord, join in a song with sweet accord, and thus around the throne, and just around the throne. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion we're marching upward to zion's eye on Zion, the beautiful city of god that those refuse to sing who never knew a god but children of the heavenly king but children of the heavenly king may speak their their joys abroad may seek their joys abroad. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, Zion, the beautiful city of God. And sacred sweets before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or
2: walk the golden streets, or
1: walk the golden streets. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, Zion, the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's crown, to fairer worlds on high, to fairer worlds on high. We're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city
3: of God. God, we know that you cannot be contained in a box filled with our perspectives of how the world should work, but knowing is so different than doing. God, we confess that all too often we climb down into that box and try to pull you in there with us, but today, God, we say we are sorry. Forgive us, Lord. God, you have shown us that you have called people who could not be contained in a box. You made 100-year-old parents become the beginning of your people. You let a murderer lead your people out of the wilderness. You called a Jewish woman to be queen of her oppressors. God, today, we pray that you guide us to break out of the boxes we and our cultures have built. Boxes of racism, violence, sexism, oppression, and discrimination. God, we want to dance freely with you in the world, your beloved community. May it be so. Amen.
4: Have all of the children come down front and meet me on this side of the sanctuary this morning. Uh, yeah, we switched things up on you a little bit. All right. So each week we have had something different in this box, and we're going to let you try to figure out what is in the box. Would anyone like to try to figure it out? I saw the same first. All right. Don't look. Just feel around, don't look. Over a little bit. There you go. All right, feel something oddly shaped. Hmm. Feels kind of like plastic. Shape of a boat, maybe. Feels like a boat? Hmm. One more try. Another boat vote. It's a boat. Good job. Does this boat make you think of any, well maybe not this boat, but does a boat make you think of any Bible stories you might be familiar with? Yes. What do we think? Noah? That's a good guess. Yeah. Noah had a big boat, right? Probably bigger than this. Any other guesses? Any other boat stories? What do we think? That's exactly right. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite stories, and this is the story we're going to talk about today. So, after a long day of teaching, Jesus and his disciples were about ready to leave, and they were about to travel over a big lake, okay? And they were going to travel in a boat. I don't think it was made of plastic, and I don't think it was red, and I don't think it was quite this small. But they were going to travel in a boat, Um, and go away. But there were still so many people around. So Jesus told his disciples, hey, you guys go on ahead, get in the boat, and start the journey, and I'll dismiss the crowd, and I'll catch up with you. So they all got in a boat, and they started to sail away. Jesus stayed behind. He talked to a few more people, taught a few more things probably, and then sent them all away, and then just took a few minutes for himself. And in the quiet, he, he prayed for a while. After a few minutes of that, maybe a couple hours, he decided it was time to go catch up. And a storm came, and there was a storm on the waters, and the wind was so strong. Do y'all remember the storm a couple weeks ago here in Waco? Kind of scary. It was one of the scariest ones I've seen here in town. Um, Wind was so strong. Trees even fell down in some places. It was a storm kind of like that. And all the disciples were on a boat in the middle of the water. ...with strong winds. You think they were probably scared? Yeah, I think so. But then, they see someone coming. Someone's walking on the water. And they think it's a ghost. It's already scary enough with a storm. Now you got to throw a ghost in the mix of it. So they're freaking out. They don't know what to do. But Jesus says, hey guys, it's me. Calm down. And Peter, who kind of is a spokesperson for the disciples at this point, says... Jesus, if that's really you, call me out to come out uh, on the water too. So Jesus says, come on. So Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water too. And he's walking towards Jesus and he's probably thinking, this is really cool. I've never done this before. This is kind of crazy. But then he gets distracted because maybe thunder booms or lightning strikes. And he remembers the storm. And he gets scared. And as soon as he looks away from Jesus he starts to sink down into the water. And he realizes that he made a mistake, and he says, Lord, save me. And he's scared, and Jesus reaches out his hand and picks Peter up back on the water and says, ye of little faith, but helps him get back in the boat. And then as soon as they get back in the boat, the storm calms, and they continue their journey. You know, Peter was walking on that water, and then he got scared and distracted. And he lost his faith in Jesus. He wasn't sure what was going to happen. And in his moment of fear, he lost sight of what was important. But even though he had little faith, Jesus still helped him back in the boat. You know, sometimes we get distracted by the storms of life. Sometimes we're scared or angry or sad. But even in those times when we might not be believing in God all the way... Jesus helps us. He still saves us, and he helps us get back on our feet. Can you all pray with me? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are our God even in the midst of storms. Lord, we thank you that even when we may not have as much faith as we think we should, you are still with us, and you still save us. We thank you for this, Father. We ask that you are with us for the rest of our worship service. In your son Jesus' name, amen.
2: from the book of Psalms.
5: God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore
2: Therefore, we will will not fear, fear, though though the the earth earth should change, change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its its waters waters roar and foam, though the the mountains tremble with its its tumult. tumult.
6: There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High.
7: God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns.
2: The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The The Lord of hosts is with us. The God God of Jacob is our refuge. refuge.
5: Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars
6: cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire.
7: Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth.
5: The Lord of hosts is with us. The God God of Jacob is our refuge. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew.
7: Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowd's And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray.
6: When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning
2: he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear.
5: But immediately... Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid.
7: Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water.
8: He said, Come.
2: So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me.
5: Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into
6: the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God.
7: This is the word of God for the people of God.
6: Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
2: come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in, in the His Holy Word, Word. God's never, never failed us yet. Oh, 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 can't turn around, we've come this far by faith, we've come this far by faith. Faith. Leaning on the Lord Trusting in the Holy Word cause never fails, yes. Oh, oh, oh can turn around We've come this far by faith We've come this far by faith faith Leaning on the Lord Trusting in the Holy Word God's never failed us yet Oh Can't turn around We've come this far by faith We've come this far by faith We've come this far by day. We've come this far by day.
5: In 2006, our storm began. In July of that year, our teenage daughter had a baby. Six weeks later, our 22-year-old son was in a terrible car accident and broke his femur. After spending two weeks at Hillcrest Rehab, he moved back home to live with us in a wheelchair. Two months later, Doug was diagnosed with cancer for the first time. I was overwhelmed. 12 years later, I still remember the prayers lifted up by Kelly's shoe in this sanctuary. We pray for the weavers. It seems every time they stand up, another wave comes and knocks them back down. I felt like the personification of Job but my faith kept me strong. The storm calmed for a few years as we continued our faith journey. Then another wave came in 2009 when I was diagnosed with cancer while Doug was still receiving cancer treatments for the second time. The week before I was scheduled to begin my radiation treatments, my 49-year-old brother was found dead in his home as the result of years of alcoholism. My faith sustained me. Fast forward to 2017. Both of my parents died that year within nine months of each other. As I struggled with my grief in early 2018, Doug was diagnosed with cancer again. This time, surgery was required to remove his left kidney and chemotherapy was prescribed. The storm raged on. I remember telling Pastor Mary Alice, I don't know how people get through these struggles without faith. What does faith look like in the midst of the storm? Peter reached out to Jesus. As I reached out to my God to sustain me, he came in out of the box ways. As a group of Baylor colleagues who took turns driving Doug to Houston for treatment so that I could continue working. As life groups that prayed for us. As Jan and Tom Purdy with regular phone calls and early morning breakfast at Chick-fil-A as Elaine Norris with her cards, as Facebook messages from Calvary members, as homemade bread from Brenda Bradley, a home-cooked meal from Sheila and Tim Smith, as gift cards from deacons and Sunday school class members to help with gas, food, and hotel expenses, as a young female pastor who visited and called regularly, and as music during worship services. God showed up in so many ordinary but out-of-the-box ways. Today, life still isn't easy. The storm never feels completely over. But through my church family and friends, God has taught me to depend on Him to see me through the storms.
2: Of the Godhead knit with our humanity. Flesh and bone sown in the heart
6: of God inseparably. I know, I know, and I believe you are the
2: Lord. I know, I know. and sweet collision of justice and mercy. Your burden is light and your yoke is easy. I know, I know, and I believe you are the Lord. I know, I know, and I believe you are the Lord. Help my own belief.
1: Help my own O Oh, happy fault that gained my me the chance to know you, Lord. In touch with your wounded side and know the joy of my reward.
2: I know, I know, and I believe you are the Lord. I know, I know, and I believe you are.
6: Before my sermon today, I would love for us to take a moment to come together in prayer. As Allie shared at the beginning of worship, it has been a hate filled week, it seems like, and almost every morning there has been yet another story in the news of pain, racism, shootings, attempted bombings, and most recently the shooting yesterday at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, where a man shouting anti-Semitic slurs ran inside and opened fire on a group of people worshiping there. I was struck by the words of a news article I read this morning that said 11 people were killed, six were injured, and many more were left hurting. This week, many more people are left hurting. And so as we worship today, I want to offer a space for our pain and for us to pray for and with our brothers and sisters around the world. God, we admit that it's pretty overwhelming to turn on the news these days, to hear word of yet another shooting, another act of hate, Sometimes we look around and wonder, how did we get here? And where on earth do we go from here? Lord, have mercy. We come to you today grieving with our brothers and sisters around the country, and especially with the community at the Tree of Life Synagogue. We ask that you would meet them in their pain. Comfort them in their time of need. Strengthen them and sustain them for the days ahead. Lord, have mercy. And we pray, O God, for greater courage to speak up against the injustices in our world. That we might pray not only with our mouths, but with our feet and our lives in the ways in which we respond. It begins with us, O God. And so help us in the ways that we seek to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Lord, help us to live as people of mercy. And so together this morning, we pray in the words that you taught us to pray, saying our Father who art in heaven, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, in the movie, The Truman Show, Jim Carrey plays the role of Truman Burbank, a kind-hearted insurance salesman whose entire life has been a reality TV show, and everyone else in the world knows it except him. From the moment he was born, he has been surrounded by hidden TV cameras and actors, while the rest of the world has followed along with the events of his life, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even his wife and his best friend are paid actors on the show. Meanwhile, he goes about his day-to-day life, and everyone plays along with what has become the most popular reality TV series in the world. And all of this has been possible because Truman has never left his peaceful life on Sea Haven Island. For years, Truman has dreamed of getting out of town one day, but the TV show director has always surrounded him with these constant messages about the extreme dangers of traveling. And from the very beginning, the director developed within Truman a fear of water. There are so many moments when Truman walks out to the pier to look over the edge onto the water, but he's always too scared to take that next step forward. So the movie begins when Truman is 30 years old, and he's starting to notice unusual events happening around him. A falling spotlight right in the middle of downtown, or rain one day that falls only on him, but surprisingly nowhere else, or a regular rotation of the same people and vehicles who pass by him when he's sitting in his car one day, And even a radio station he comes across that is describing every move he makes. So one day, Truman decides to be spontaneous and to venture across the bridge over the island. But he finally puts the pieces together when one implausible disaster after another happens to keep him from getting off the island. And so finally, one night, he escapes from his house and musters up enough courage to take a boat out on the water to finally get away. Of course, then the directors create a giant storm to try to convince Truman to go back shore, but he is determined. What happens next catches him completely off guard. His boat goes so far that it hits the edge of the dome and breaks through the TV set. What it appeared to Truman to be a sky with clouds in the distance is, in fact, a wall. So Truman gets out of the boat. He steps into the water that has terrified him his entire life. And over a giant speaker, the director calls out to him for the very first time. He tells Truman that he's the star of a TV show and that he has brought hope and joy and laughter to people all across the world. The world out there is scary and unpredictable, the director says, but inside this dome, your world is safe and secure. Well, as Truman is hearing all of this, he looks along the outer wall of the dome, and he sees some steps leading up to a door marked Exit. And in the final scene of the TV show, Truman looks up at the camera in the sky, takes a bow, and bravely walks outside the dome for the very first time in his life. Meanwhile, the rest of the world has been glued to their TV screens and erupts into tears and applause because their beloved TV star, Truman Burbank, is finally free. It's such a creative piece of film. I enjoyed going back and watching clips this week. But I became even more intrigued when I realized some of the parallels between Truman Burbank and the disciple Peter, who also gets out of the boat and dares to step foot on the water in today's scripture reading in Matthew 14. But what's interesting to me is that while Truman is celebrated across the world for what he does, that's not always the case with our friend Peter. In fact, multiple people I read this week give Peter a pretty hard time for getting out of the boat in the first place. Why did he do it, they asked. Did he have something to prove? Was he trying to be like God? One scholar wrote, to want to walk on water is to do what only God can do and it's presumptuous. Another said, what kind of person steps out of a boat during a storm and expects to walk on water? And you know, they make some valid points. (laughs) It's true that there is nothing logical or smart about Peter getting out of the boat and attempting to walk on water, is there? I mean, most people would not do this under regular circumstances, let alone in the middle of a storm. Most people in the same situation would put on their life jacket, lower the hatches, hunker down in the bottom of the boat, and hope and pray that the storm would pass soon. That's the safe and logical thing to do in a storm, and the reality is that that is what the majority of the disciples do in this text. They stay in the boat. It's probably what the majority of us do, too. When life gets hard, When the waves start knocking up against us, our natural inclination is to lock the doors, turn off the lights, pull up the covers, and stay in bed. We turn inward instead of outward. And when all around us seems to be shifting, we resort to doing what's safe, what's comfortable, what's predictable. And sometimes, perhaps, that is exactly what we need to do in order to take care of ourselves. Sometimes the storms of life get so great that we need to retreat for a bit. We need to do what's comfortable and familiar. We need to do whatever we can to take care of ourselves to survive. But I also believe that you and I were never intended to be people who live our lives in survival mode. And while I can't put a specific time limit on it, I do know that we can't stay too comfortable for too long, or we'll never get out of the boat. My parents love to tell this story, and I can't believe I'm going to tell it to you all today. Um, But it's about how they took me to church in a garbage bag one time. I had broken both of my legs and I was in a spica cast. So it went all the way up my legs and halfway up my chest. And on this particular day, they were getting ready for us to go to church when a thunderstorm hit and it began pouring rain. And so, challenge number one was that I was already in a body cast. And challenge number two was that it couldn't get wet. Now, I've told my parents multiple times that most normal people would not have gone out that day. (laughs) Of course, I've also told them that most normal people would not have taken their daughter to church in a body cast, even if it were gorgeous outside. But the thing is that being part of our faith community, especially during such a difficult season in my family's life, was so important to my family. It's what sustained them. And so not going to church just was not an option for the Bird Whistle family. And if their child being in a cast wasn't going to stop them, then the pouring rain wasn't going to stop them either. So my dad got creative. He went to the garage and got a giant black garbage bag and wrapped me up inside of it and took me to church. (laughs) You know, at the time, it was pretty annoying that my parents kept pushing me to get out there, to be involved at church and at school and in extracurricular activities, I would have much rather stayed in bed most days in the comfort and security of my own home. And it was especially annoying that day to arrive at church in a trash bag and all the other kids thought that was so funny. (laughs) But I must say that looking back, I am absolutely amazed at the ways my parents were always pushing me to get out of the boat, even in the middle of a storm. And I know that I am who I am today because of them. And so when I read this text, I'm not critical of Peter. I am pretty amazed by Peter, actually. And I can't help but wonder what Peter might have to teach us about getting out of the boat in the middle of our own storms. Or better yet, what Peter might have to teach the church. After all, just a couple chapters later, we discover that the church will be built on Peter, as we read about in Matthew 16. Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And so what does Peter have to teach us, the church? As Pastor Andrew Foster Connor says, the church should remember that before we huddle down in the boat and pray for safer seas, Peter's church should be willing to step out of the boat. Peter's church should be willing to risk our own well-being to try something foolish, borderline crazy in the midst of raging storms. We should be willing to step out of the boat, driven by an impulsive desire to get closer to Jesus, even when he seems miles from solid ground. And so what would it look like for you, for me, and ultimately for Calvary, to step out of the boat and to do something foolish, even borderline crazy, in order to get closer to Jesus. After all, it's in his own foolish, borderline crazy attempt to get closer to Jesus that Peter actually begins walking on water. Sometimes I think we focus so much on the fact that Peter began sinking that we neglect what happened before that. He did what everyone else in the boat thought was completely impossible. But you can't even begin to do the impossible if you're not first willing to get out of the boat. Now we're not told how long Peter walks on water, but what we do know is that after a while, he notices the strong winds around him, becomes afraid, and begins to sink. And yet it's in that moment when Jesus calls out to Peter and says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, Jesus doesn't admonish Peter for getting out of the boat. Jesus calls out Peter for not having a big enough faith. The reality is that we can't begin to step out of the boat or out of the boxes we have constructed around us without faith. Because when life gets messy, when the ground seems to be shifting beneath our feet, and when the wind and the waves just seem too overbearing, Like Pat shared so beautifully, faith is what ultimately sustains us and helps us to take that next brave step forward. Now before you begin to think that your faith isn't big enough, that your faith isn't God-sized, remember that God can work with any size faith. Even faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, right? And yet God is always pushing our faith to grow outside of the boundaries we place around it. After all, even a mustard seed, when planted and watered and cared for, will break out of its shell before long. For the past six weeks, we have been talking about getting outside the box here at Calvary. And this isn't just a cute or creative slogan for a worship series— There are so many ways in which you and I put God in a box. We put each other in a box. Ultimately, we put ourselves in a box. And as I said, the very first week, mustering up the courage to venture outside of our boxes is hard spiritual work. And as we end this series, We wanted to give everyone a few moments in worship today to reflect on what God might be calling you to do next. How is God challenging you to step out of the boat or outside the box? What fears are weighing you down? What storms are surrounding you these days? And what do you need from God in order to take the next brave step forward? So you should have received a box as you came into worship today. And there are also pins scattered around your pews if you need a pin. I'd like to invite you to open up your box if it's not open already. And along the flaps, along these growing edges of your box, I would invite you to write or to draw your responses to this series. There's not a right or wrong way to do this. You are free to be outside the box in the ways that you write and respond. And we are also not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and talk about what you wrote, (laughs) although our small groups will have that opportunity later this week. But really, for now, this is a moment between you and God, for you to consider how God is calling you to step out of whatever is boxing you in, in order to take that next brave step forward. So we'll take a few minutes to reflect and then I will come back to close us. love what Elaine White shared with me after her small group this week. She said, anytime God has called me to step outside the box, looking back, I can now realize that I have always stepped into God's plan for me. But that doesn't mean that taking this step comes without fear. When the disciples become afraid out in their boat in the middle of the storm, Jesus says to them, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And so as you hold your boxes today, I know you carry weight with you. Whatever storms may be surrounding you, whatever fears are confronting you, saying, what might happen if or when you do take this next brave step forward? And so I want you to hear these same words too. Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Doug and Pat, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. (laughs) Sherry, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Jonathan, Jennifer, take heart, It is I, do not be afraid. Ruina, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. Mallory Blake, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. Audrey, Jamie, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. Calvary, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid." And so God, I ask that you would give us courage to follow you, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, and even when we are overwhelmed by just taking that next step forward. Help us to know that you are the God who journeys with us no matter where we are. And you're always pushing us forward into the people that you are calling us to be. And so help us to be willing to take that next brave step forward with you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Well, you have heard throughout this entire series that God is always working outside of the boxes we put God in. And maybe you are ready to take a leap of faith to step outside of your box, outside of your boat, and to begin to follow God and walk in the ways of Jesus. We would love to celebrate that with you today. Or maybe you want to join our community of faith here at Calvary where we do some things outside the box sometimes. That we seek to know and to follow Jesus together in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary to receive you and to pray with you as we continue in worship.
2: We see the hand of God In the light of creation's grand design In the lives of those who prove His faithfulness We walk by faith and not by sight By faith our Father's holy the power of His promise in their hearts. Of a holy
9: city built by God's
2: own hand, a place where peace and justice reign. We will stand as children of the promise. We will be By faith, the prophet saw the day when the long-deforn Messiah would appear with the power to break the chains of sin and death and rise triumphant from the grave. By faith, the church was called to. to the Lord to deliver our captives and to preach good news in every corner of Mountain shall
9: be
2: moved, and the power of the gospel shall prevail. For we know with Christ all things are possible. by faith and not by sight. We'll walk by faith and not
10: by sight. Bow with me, holy, wonderful Lord. We thank you for this time together as a family to worship you. During this time I pray that you might help us search our lives and our hearts for ways we put you and your church to a box. Help us to understand that you are bigger than our understanding, that you work in ways that cannot be categorized and fit neatly in a box. For you are the alpha and the Omega. How silly are we to think that that you do not have surprises in store for us yet. May we be a church that allows you to move through us in any way you desire, perhaps in ways that will take faith and courage to follow. May you also bless the tithes and offerings we are about to give that they may honor the God that cannot be put into a box. It's in your son's name we pray this. Amen.
0: Calvary, I would like to introduce you to Emily Moeller, who a lot of you probably already know. Um, Emily is in her last year of social work at the Diana School, Garland School of Social Work, and she's getting her master's. She went to Clemson for her undergrad and is originally from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and Emily's joining today, and I'm very happy about that, and I hope that you all will be happy about that with me. Um, it's an exciting thing. And Emily has shared recently that she's considering staying in Waco after graduation this year. And a lot of that <laughs> A lot of that, she says, has to do with Calvary. Um, and for that we say thanks be to God um, for both what she's meant to our church and what our church family has meant to her. Um, Emily was actually our social work intern last year, so a lot of you all may know her that way, um, and she's been at Calvary for about two years, and when I asked what she was passionate about, she said, um, the outdoors and seeing God in nature, but also Clemson football. So, (laughs) Emily, we have something that we would like to share with you this morning. In response to your decision, we (laughs) pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. And Emily will be in the Welcome Center following worship, and I really hope that whether you've met her before or if she's a new person that you would like to get to know, I encourage you to stop and welcome her officially into our church family.
6: Well, if you are new to Calvary today, we want you to know that we are especially glad you're here. We hope you'll stick around for a few moments after worship and just give us the chance to greet you and to get to know you better. Also, we have a few people I want to recognize. Bonnie Guthrie snuck in and is back with us in the back. Hey, Bonnie, we are so glad to see Oh, hey, I love it. Bonnie's here with her son, Billy, and uh, hasn't been here for quite some time and hasn't been in great health, and we're so glad to see that she's doing well and is back with us today. Also, I wanted to say congratulations to our pianist, Jordan Tucker, and his new wife, Meg Tucker. Jordan and Meg were married last weekend. And so we celebrate you, and we just pray God's blessings over you as you start this new chapter together. A reminder that there are no church activities here on Wednesday night. There's not dinner or any of our other activities, but we will be over on Colcord for Halloween at Colcord if you would like to be part of that. There are sign-ups out in the Welcome Center, and so if you've seen that going around but haven't signed up, we'd love for you to be a part And then lastly, if you have any card tables laying around your garage or your attic, we need four card tables for our upcoming worship series. If you could email Nathan Spears and let him know, we would love to borrow those for the month of November. Well, please stand and join me in this benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining lights along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you, may Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you, so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with us always. Amen.
9: Go in God's love. Amen.